I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. On today's show, adult film entertainer Rebecca Moore. A stripper, webcammer, sex worker, and porn performer, Moore became a viral sensation in 2018 with a video pronouncing her and her bestie Sophie Anderson as cock destroyers. Moore talks about working odd jobs in her teens before making it in porn. I remember looking at people thinking, one day I will be the one sat there with the newspaper and not worried about work or anything. I remember this couple coming in and they were really drunk. I just took their drinks away and I said, get out. And my manager was fuming. She said, you are not the manager. I went, well, I feel like I am. Her early work as a sex worker, which she continues today. Escorting has always been much more lucrative because porn, you're getting paid really for like a day. What you can kind of get in an hour as an escort. Changing people's lives. I don't want to divulge too much, but people say, you know, you've saved my life. You've made me laugh my way to being okay again. And that means a lot. And the story behind her now iconic video in which she declares herself a cock destroyer. We are so in control. When the guy comes through the door, we almost have to sometimes tone it down a bit because we don't want to scare them. Shut up, Evan. Hey guys, what's up? This is Evan Ross Katz, and you are listening to Shut Up, Evan, a podcast about gay shit and internet culture. I am joined once again by my fabulous producer, Alden Peters. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good. Episode six is a dirty, nasty, perverted, obscene discussion about porn. And our listeners are going to love it. I think so, too. I mean, it's a seemingly very taboo subject, but it's one that a lot of people engage in. And there's a lot of humanity to uncover beneath it all. Yes. So I do want to sort of break down before we get into the conversation what exactly OnlyFans is for people that don't know. So just to give like a brief background, OnlyFans was launched in 2016 and it's a website for performers to allow followers of theirs to subscribe for a monthly fee in which those subscribers will be granted access to clips, photos, videos, any kind of content that the creator deems worthy of viewing. Would you say it's almost like the Patreon that you could subscribe to for this podcast, but for a porn performer? Totally. And you know what? In the beginning, the website was really populated by fitness folks that were creating fitness videos for people. But slowly through the years, more and more porn performers... And amateur performers have come along to use it as sort of a space to create X-rated content 
and deliver it straight to their audiences. So the New York Times uh, did a profile on OnlyFans last year. And this is a quote from Matthew Camp, who's actually one of Rebecca Moore's business partners. Matthew says, quote, Tumblr was filled with the most extreme sexual experiences you could see. And I think a lot of people were turned off by that. It's not what they're looking for. They want more intimate experiences. They want a boyfriend experience. They want to fantasize about someone that they want to have sex with and not feel disgusted by it. And so I think that segues us really nicely into this conversation that we're going to have briefly with my friend and and porn performer Diego Sands. Let's give him a call real quick. We're here with Diego Sands. Diego is a porn performer and a content creator. So can you first start by giving me a little bit of background in terms of when you first began in the porn industry? Sure. So this was back in 2010. Uh, this was back when I was living in San Francisco, and I started my career with Randy Blue. Heard of it, heard of it. Where it all began, basically. So at that time, you were making studio porn. You were being paid per scene. What was the sort of rate like to the extent that you are comfortable naming numbers? Back then, because studio porns were basically the only uh, websites or platforms where you could actually get pornography in the sense of uh, subscription, the payment for models were higher, at least from what I saw. And rates could go from um, $1,500, $2,000, And it would really also depend on the model, but it would range around that. And so now, 10 years later, you have this OnlyFans platform. Can you sort of talk about your journey to beginning your OnlyFans? I'm not going to lie. I kind of jumped on the game of OnlyFans a bit late. Just like anything that we see that it's too good to be true, we usually don't believe it. Usually what will happen is studios would hire the model to use their image to get subscriptions for the studio. Back then, the studio would have the upper hand, and now the model kind of has the upper hand because the model can create whatever content they want. They can film with whoever they want, and they can uh, bring in the subscription money into their pocket instead of bringing the subscription money to the studio pocket, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it also sounds like one fundamental difference between the two is that with the studio, although you do mention a contract, you were more or less being paid per scene, whereas with OnlyFans, you sort of have a regular chunk of money that's coming your way every month, no matter how much content you produce. Well, not quite. Oh, tell me. Because, I mean, just like anything, let's say you have a subscription for Netflix. And you're paying $5 for Netflix. And then you log on and every month you see only 10 movies. There will come a time that you'll say like, okay, even these $5, it's not worth it because I've already watched these movies a thousand times. So now models are actually kind of getting a taste of what it's like to carry out a production what it's like to find a model to shoot with or find something creative to post. These fans, they don't necessarily want to see you have sex or you jerk off. For example, there was this one fan that sent me a message and, uh, oh, I actually hope he's, uh, he's with me. And he said, I love your hair. I would love to see how long it is. Could you do a video of just brushing your hair? And it's something so simple, but it's the it's the fact that these fans that are playing you, they don't only want to see you have sex. They want to be part of your life. They want to know what's your favorite movie, what's your favorite color, what's your favorite food, what do you do during the day, who is your best friend, what where where is the place you like to travel to? Obviously, I want to have I, I want to watch you have sex. 
but it's just a lot more to it than just sex. You know, if you're creative and if you have the ability to create your content and keep up with it, then yeah, definitely you can collect that money every five months because then you are running your website, creating content, not only adult content, but also giving your fans what, what they want, what they want to see, what they want to watch. So it really sounds like it's this combination of creativity and business savvy. And it sounds like your experience in the adult space for a decade sort of helped navigate you to sort of make wise business decisions. That definitely helped. Sorry, bitch. Facts are facts. Um, Okay, so so one last question I have around OnlyFans. There are these younger people coming forward today who basically start up an OnlyFans as a side project, essentially, because they're already having a lot of sex in their personal lives. And so they're kind of like, you know what? What if I just throw a camera up and record it and put it online? Do you sort of see these young folks that come up and sort of just hit record? Do you see them as competition? I don't see them as competition. Uh, and let me explain that. I think everyone likes someone for a specific reason. I think that everyone sees someone and if they have an interest in them, they'll have an interest in them for a specific reason. It, what is attractive to me might not be attractive to you. And that's why only fans of pornography or in, like social media in general, when you're following someone is all about is you're following someone because of what you connect with them in a certain level or in a certain way. And what the person might connect with me is not necessarily what he's going to connect with the other person. So if someone that launches their OnlyFans and they are doing specific like leather and they're all about leather and latex, um, then they're going to follow that person for that specific reason because they can connect, they can relate, they, that's the subject that they like. So there isn't really much a competition going on when it's like, oh, this. which one do you prefer? Do you prefer this comedy movie or this horror movie? They're like totally different uh, genres. So you can't really compare both of them in a, in a way. Do you get what I mean? I totally get what you mean. I usually tell this to models that are thinking like, oh my God, I can't, get the, I can't be in the industry because I look like this. I'm like, listen, the beautiful thing about this industry is that it's everyone's accepted. Everyone's accepted. You're thin, there's a fetish. You're fat, there's a fetish. You're tall, there's a fetish. You have big feet, there's a fetish. You have small ears, there's a fetish. There's a fetish for everything. Everyone likes different things, and we have to respect that, and we have to understand that. The moment you start respecting and understanding that, you will go far in this industry because everyone likes a certain thing. It's crazy to think that people think like, oh, it's all about sex if you're about the penetration and the dick size and the butt size. It's way more than that. So I mean, like, if you're thinking that there's a competition between A and B, I can assure you that A has something to offer and B has something to offer as well. Totally different. They're both offering sex, but in different ways. Be yourself. Be yourself, bitch. Um, thank you so much for your time. And um, we'll connect again soon. Thank you so much for having me. Can we transition to her? Sure. And with so that, without, oh. yeah, sorry. You, no, you do, <laughs> no, it, you, you do it. it. You do it. You do it. Whether you know her and love her, or don't know her yet and will love her, I'm delighted for people to get to know Miss Rebecca Moore. She has been featured on the pages of Interview Magazine, profiled by yours truly. She's been written about on Vice, Paper Mag, and in the BBC. She is a 2018 XBiz Europa Award nominee for her performance as Glamcore in the pornographic film Malice Before Daylight. Is that correct? Correct. 
Her adult film appearances <laughs> include 2012's Milf Mayhem, 2017's Milfs Like It Big 17, and my personal favorite title, 2018's Mom is Horny. <laughs> Moore is perhaps best known as one half of the Cock Destroyers, a title she and friend Sophie Anderson bestowed upon themselves in a viral video first posted in October 2018. We're fucking cock destroyers, aren't we, cock. babe? Fucking destroyers. Yeah, fucking cock destroyers. We love to just- They just finished co-hosting a luxury gangbang at London's St. James Hotel and were looking for paying participants for round two, as one does. The video, intended to generate buzz for prospective clientele, was Twitter gold. As Samantha Jones noted in the final season of Sex and the City, first come the gays, then the girls, then the industry. But Moore's managed to enrapture all three. As I noted in my piece from the winter 2019 issue of Interview, Rebecca and Sophie now occupy a rare corner of online fandom by appealing to fans of both porn and camp. In September 2019, she and fellow porn star Matthew Camp took over the queer fashion brand Daddy Couture. In February 2020, the brand held its first runway show during New York Fashion Week featuring a diverse range of models. She is a stripper, a webcammer, an adult film star, a mother, a daughter, a friend, a gay icon. She brings joy to me and so many others. She is Rebecca Moore. Thank you so much. I love listening to you. (laughs) I get excited to interview a lot of people, but... I am uniquely so excited because I remember during our first conversation for the interview piece that we did a few months ago, I remember coming away from that interview being like, my goodness, you are so smart. Oh, thank you. I loved talking to you. And sometimes there are really famous people who don't necessarily make for the best interviews. Mm -hmm. And you are a fantastic interview. So that's, I'm particularly excited to talk to you today just because you're such an eloquent speaker. Oh, thank you. I guess that's putting a lot of pressure on (laughs) me. Well, I'm here. I'm here. So whatever comes out, comes out. (laughs) So first of all, you are in New York right now. You don't come to New York often. So I'm curious, what do you love most about the city? And what aren't you vibing with? I'll tell you what I don't like, that's all, is the air conditioning. I'll wake up in the middle of the night, like, coughing and everything. But there's so much to love. That's the only thing. There's yeah, so yeah. much to love. I love the people. I love that there's a Starbucks within five minutes of everywhere I walk. So many different people here yeah. as well. Um, everybody's really nice. And uh, when me and Sophie are walking around, they're like, are you two twins? We're like... Well, this is going to be a conversation opener. No, we're not, but we love to dress the same, etc. Um, so we get a lot of positivity around the city. I love the shopping. I'm going to be going shopping later because I actually haven't had any time. Oh my God. But the thing is, is with New York, it's not a bad flight at all. And I do, I've got this feeling that I'm going to come back here a lot more. So I didn't do any sightseeing this time. I've Three times I've been here now and I still haven't done the typical touristy stuff. And I am going to do it <laughs> at some stage. Of the typical tourist stuff. <laughs> What do you want to check off the list first? I want to go and see the Statue of Liberty. Okay, okay, so, heard of it. So when I told um, my friend, who's from New York, I was like, I've got to go and see the Statue of Liberty. And they're like, okay, I live here. I've never done that. It's, I was like, well, okay, I am going to do that. I just need to do those things. Yeah. Uh, the typical, it's anybody would who's not from London. Yeah, would yeah. want to go and see Big no, Ben, I- etc. So I'll probably do those. And then when I come back, 
another time. I'm going to try some of the really swanky bars and swanky hotels yes. and things like that. Yeah. So I've been to Central Park, etc. But it's it, I feel New York is somewhere that I can just slip into. I've it's really got an easy vibe to just get used to. It. It's somewhere that I could easily live because it's very similar to London. There's everything that you need. <laughs> there's yeah. no language barrier. <laughs> well, and the thing is, there's so many people from different places here yeah. that there's sort of I think a lot of times there's this perception that New Yorkers are an angry bunch and I think that there are situations that exacerbate that so like for instance like New Yorkers on a crowded subway platform yeah. yes hellscape yeah. <laughs> but I think in the day to day like your it's experience like it's, it's nice to hear that it's like no actually you really like the people here and there's oh, really yeah, great people right. really yeah. great people yeah. So I want to start by getting into the cock destroyer stuff. Yeah. And then I want to sort of like go backwards Absolutely. because I feel like we need to properly set the scene. Mm-hmm. And just so for all the people listening, Rebecca and I spoke a couple months ago in a very in-depth piece for Interview Magazine that ultimately made it upon the print pages. And it's just as is the nature of editorial, it's cut down significantly. And just learning about your life previously, um, it's like you've lived so many lives. Yeah. <laughs> and for so many people, they first became exposed to you via the first viral video in 2018. But like, that's just like the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more to you. And so I'm really excited to dig into that. But starting with the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> so you are a porn performer yes. for the better part of the 2010s, correct? Yeah, that's correct. About 2009, because I was amateur before that, filming my own stuff, and I realized that the best way is to start porn. It's like marketing, free marketing, getting yeah. paid yeah. to get it out there. So um, that's what I did, even though the, despite the fact that the pay wasn't that good, everybody knew that there wasn't much money in porn. Interesting. And so was one of the reasons that escorting was appealing because that it was more money and also I imagine more immediate. Yes. Escorting has always been uh, much more lucrative than on a time time frame as well, because porn, you're getting paid really for like a day. Yeah. What you can kind of get in an hour as an escort. So I've always loved escort and you, you can organize it yourself. You, there's no pressure. So uh, I'm very pro sex work. Yeah. You're also <laughs> a great advocate for, um, from our pre- previous conversation, sort of respecting the men that come to you and respecting oh, this yeah. desire to want to make sex transactional. Yes. I, I love the guys that I've, I had really good experience with all the guys that came to see me. The guys knew exactly what it was about rather than dating, you know, you it's all a bit awkward. We knew what was going on and it was just great. It was, it was so funny. They'd come through the door, I'd be like, hi, you'd have your envelope, go on the side, you'd just chat. And even if you count the money in front of them, that's totally normal behavior. And it was just like, there's nothing, yeah. nothing to it. I mean, there was the odd guy that'd be a bit awkward. Like, oh, I never normally pay. If they make stupid comments like that, then the chances are I'm, I can usually tell, I'm very good at reading people, whether it's on the phone, because I used to do phone calls so so long I kind of got used to getting a vibe of somebody off the phone it's like being psychic in the end you know I could get the feel of somebody through an email and things so having to do those things really helped me and I think it's helped me now so you have a gangbang with a group of fellow performers no 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 these are these are any joe blogs off the street but i thought that there were multiple other women um that were also oh, so girl, oh yeah, i yeah. thought you were talking about the men no no sorry no, the, yeah, yeah yeah so again so we're going back to this is i believe october 2018 yeah so you're having a gang how so many it's just me and sophie it's just you and sophie yeah okay me, me and sophie are just like eh, let's get a gangbang <laughs> going girl <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I'd met my soulmate really. So it was Sophie was, uh, we hadn't known each other that long. And we just had this magnet to each other. Yeah. And um, she's funny. She's outrageous. And she was everything that I am too. And there are girls that are crazy and outrageous in the industry, but I hadn't sort of like met somebody quite as sort of mental as myself and Sophie was the one and we were like we've got to like work together and go so we went and worked in the city in central London which is a hot spot for businessmen and then we were like right let's do a gangbang it was just meant to be so you have the first gangbang <laughs> yeah it's a success I'm assuming so we had so when you check in it was an absolute success <laughs> it was uh, it was a success but we're we you can only check into a hotel at 3 p.m so we'd worked it out get in set up have your first gangbang we don't want to overwork ourselves we have a nice evening yeah. we record that so we're making profit from the recording and we're also making profit from seeing all the guys then we think do you know what we can check out at 11 in the morning let's have another gangbang so the morning gangbang. We needed some members for the morning gangbang. But we did. We got those members. We got the six sticks that we wanted. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, okay, you need to get uh, guys for the morning gangbang. And so you think, okay, let's just record a little video yeah. and throw it up on Twitter. Was that the plan? Correct. Okay. And so, and, and the intention, just to be clear, was not to create viral content, was actually just a business move. Absolutely. We didn't, viral meant, nothing to me I didn't even I understood that people went viral but I it wasn't I didn't even think it was possible so <laughs> you get on the video yeah you both sort of proclaim yourselves in that moment to be cock destroyers yeah um and now I mean my god has that taken off I know. Um, <laughs> had you ever referred to yourselves as that before that video no and it just came out just completely came out I said you know what we are we're fucking cock destroyers because we Oh, we're so <laughs> in control. When the guy comes through the door, we almost have to sometimes tone it down a bit because we don't want to scare them off. Like, come on in, have a drink. Because I've not been doing it longer, but I'd say to people, right, don't jump on them as soon as they get in the door. <laughs> like, let's try, because what happens is their dick won't go hard at all. Uh-huh. So we have to wait for them to come on in, let them relax and trust us. Then pounce on them. (laughs) (laughs) So you post the video online. Yeah. How quickly did you realize that the response being generated was bigger than your average video that you put out before? So it was actually quite a little while later. So um, we posted the video and it might have been about a month later that we started getting, I got some tweets and some DMs and the word gay icon kept coming up. And I was thinking that's like the highest compliment any woman could ever have. So I was like, wow, really? We were thinking people must just be outraged because we just thought that just straight guys are just going to find this video because not a lot of people are going to come and follow us on Twitter because of our sex work, etc. And we always think that people are going to be like, mm, don't really want to follow them. That's not the sort of behavior that I like. And we were okay with that because we were just appealing straight guys. So when it all happened and people thought it was funny and etc., we were like, right, let's sit down and watch this again. And as time went on, we, were re- we got the joke. You know, there's something... <laughs> kind of almost drag about the performance art of it all, which is that, and we talked about this, which yeah. is this idea that Rebecca Moore is you mm-hmm. and she is a character that you created. I remember you told yeah. me during the interview that this didn't make it into the piece, but you said Rebecca Moore is an amalgamation of all of the experiences I've had with men over the years. Yeah. 
So what's interesting about that video and the virality that ensued is that you're both performing in that video and yet you are being yourself. Yeah. You weren't, you know, you're not playing a role. How much distance is there between the Rebecca Moore in that video and Mm -hmm. the Rebecca Moore sitting before me today? I don't think there's much, much distance there's no distance it's still I am still that person yeah it's there's no difference really so the video blows up and from there you mention you keep seeing the words gay icon yeah you know there's always this fascination I've had with why gay men connect to certain women and I think the most obvious example is like Judy Garland but even if you look at it it's like always women um what do you think it is about gay men that gravitates them towards powerful women like yourself People ask me this and they have told me, they said that gay men love strong sexual women. And I'm like, okay, I can fall under that bracket. But also, if I, if you're asking me, I, I feel that because we're kind of footloose and fancy free and we don't take life too seriously, I think most people be attracted to that. Who doesn't love to laugh? We just enjoy, like, this week has been belly aching laughs. And most people that I'm around, we do have an absolute giggle. So I think, I think that's it. Yeah. You know, there's like almost a RuPaul quality about it. RuPaul has this famous quote, um, you're born naked and the rest is just drag. And the insinuation of that quote is that like, Nothing really matters, right? It's all a facade. It's all a farce. So who's going to have the most fun within the construct? I think one of the reasons why I vibe with you so much, and and it's not just gay men, I want to point out so many people, but I think it's that vibe of, as you articulated, not taking things so seriously in having that attitude. I think it allows the people that love you to also sort of look at their own life and their own perspectives on things and take a part of that and say, you know what? I don't perhaps need to be so serious. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, um, it's a magical thing that you can unlock in a person because it's like this, this ability to just look at a situation that you might have felt a certain way about, something that might be really bothering you, yeah. and sort of just say, you know what? I'm going to choose to laugh. It's just yeah. kind of funny. I have a situation all the time when like the subway doors close in front of my face, <laughs> yeah. and the initial response is, fuck this. <laughs> yeah. And then you're just kind of like, you think about it from the other side, yeah. the person inside watching the doors close on yeah. me. And you're like, it's kind of funny. Yeah. And I think it's all about that dual perspective. And um, I think you have that capability uh, so uniquely. Also, another thing as well, I think the way we dress and how we are with our bodies and we, uh, we don't like... We feel obviously very comfortable naked, but we love dressing slutty. We get a lot of positivity from women as well. They're like, you look freaking great. Some people sort of look, "Mm," but um, we quite like that too. You know, it's quite funny as well, seeing that we've we've offended someone so much. Um, But I think people like it when people just live their life and just like, do you know what? Fuck it. I love it. Where do you find, because, you know, you mentioned you love fashion. Obviously, I love fashion too. Mm -hmm. Where do you go to sort of find the clothes that appeal to you the most? Obviously, I'm always shopping for Rebecca Moore, the typical like stockings. I love lingerie. I love jewellery. But also, I don't like to overspend. I am quite sensible like that. I love a bargain. And so I never like... The best shopping times is just going out and just finding things, even whether it's charity shops, in Camden, online. When I was younger, I had to really look for slutty clothes. Now, life is so much easier. Mm. You have such things like Pretty Little Thing, Boohoo and all that. 
to just go online and it's great everyone's dressing provocatively these days yeah. which is just wonderful you don't have to worry like thinking is this too much no because everyone everyone's dressing like that right. these days so i'll be like what do i want to wear today everything's kind of based around my porn films because that's that's really like one of my hobbies it's my paid hobby i love fantasy world and so i'll be like one day what do i want to look like I want to look like one of those horsey women who owns their own horse horses and they fuck all the guys in the in the barn you know so I'll, I'll find I'll find it online and I'll but I'll sexualize it yeah and I love over the top stuff like you know the shoulder pads etc but I'll just see it I won't plan it and I'll just come across somewhere and find unique stuff so I have a real collection now of fabulous stuff oh my god I love shopping though you need to make a video of just going through your closet <laughs> honestly for the fashion obsessed I, I can only imagine but I love lingerie I love heels the the fetishy heels that are quite painful but I can actually walk in them now we did a video I think they got like four million views myself and Sophie because Sophie couldn't walk in them and I just went, I'm going to post this thinking like it just was funny and looked good. And Sophie's like nearly holding onto the fence. And it got four million views because everybody kept making a meme out of it. Of course. It was just really funny. And um, yeah, those shoes, I can just about walk in them. So when you talk about like this, this gear, like for instance, you're like, I want to look like a woman that owns a horse farm. Yeah. What are you, when you mention this fantasy, who is the fantasy for? It's for myself. I enjoy, that's what I enjoy. I love living like a bit of a fantasy lifestyle and I've made it my job. So for my OnlyFans, I'm doing very well out of that because... And for people who don't know what OnlyFans is, yeah. can you explain your OnlyFans? So OnlyFans is an adult site. They actually started the site for personal trainers and people like that, but they realised that adult people were going to make more money. So they've now got all the rules and regs that you need. So a lot of porn stars are on there, sex workers, etc., domination, glamour girls. You can put your own content up and you can have one-to-one chats with your fans, which once upon a time, before Twitter and everything, if you're a porn actress, you weren't very accessible. But now that's you can really have that one-to-one experience and that's great. It's sort of taking control for the porn stars like myself to have a bit more money because yeah. we weren't getting paid that much unless you you have to do your you have to cut your teeth so to speak so I did all that worked for really poor money to build up a brand and then you can go okay I'm people like to watch me I can charge this yeah. much but you're still making your um, salary I fund my sal- my salary is through OnlyFans now yeah and one of the interesting components about OnlyFans is that so for prospective subscribers it's a subscriber based system yeah so I think also just from the job security side yeah you have a check coming in that although it might grow or, yeah. or it might up, go up and down per month you at least know that there's this base amount of money that's coming in yeah um, I imagine that that really impacts your quality of life absolutely it's um OnlyFans has changed people's lives, but only if you take it seriously. Yeah. So I treat it like a job, like it's my office. If I'm not showing up, I'm not showing up for myself. And um, I have a lunch break and everything, but I'm pretty much just online speaking to my clients and and having a laugh, like who shall I be today? Um, and guys will send me their fantasies. And it's really fun because it helps me think about new ideas and stuff someone will give me an outfit request and I'm, and I'm like wow why did I not think of this this looks amazing so every day is like dress up for right. me I 
really am having a party in my bedroom yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 like never growing up really <laughs> um i know i don't want to get into the specifics of money but yeah. i am curious because there's a perception from a lot of people out there mm. that adult entertainers do not make a lot of money mm-hmm. and I have reason to believe that you do make a lot of money and I don't want to ask you about your personal finances, but just can you sort of give people a sense of like what this lifestyle can afford? Because I think particularly for people that have never even heard of OnlyFans, the kind of money that can be made, it's quite astronomical. I always find sharing finances a little bit vulgar because some people can take it the wrong way. Some girls who are doing a lot better than myself are earning like $40,000 $40,000 a month upwards. Some of the major stars are like $80,000. But that's the thing. They've got a huge online following. Myself, I've had a really healthy um, regular income that has enabled me to work from home, spend more time with my family, buy my second property. A lot of girls, they've posted their earnings so as they can get people to sign up for them. And people like tagging in HMRC, uh, the tax man. Right. And it's like, we're all legit. So we, we're not we're not that stupid. You cannot get houses and stuff if you're not paying in tax. It's as simple as that. It's, it's so funny. People just think that sex workers and performers are not living honest lives. Yeah. We are. Yeah. <laughs> we are. We're big time. Not only that, but like, you are a business person. I mean, like the amount of things you have to manage. And I mean, even just in terms of the appearances that you've had here, but also managing your OnlyFans, I think too, there might be a perception from some yeah. that adult entertainers or um, sex workers are not smart individuals, that they yeah. made life choices that led them to this. And it's like, yeah. no, no, no. This is a willful career option yeah. that can be quite beneficial for Absolutely. Them. So I, I think that's super, super interesting. We will be right back. If you enjoyed what you just heard, I have some good news for you. There are extended interviews with our talent available on our Patreon at patreon.com backslash shutupevan. For those of you that aren't familiar with Patreon, it is a way for myself, my producer Alden, to make a little bit of coin off of this podcast. That support will allow us to continue to make more episodes. So if you liked what you heard and want to support what we're doing and the continued effort to keep doing it, please consider subscribing to our Patreon today. And we're back. Okay, so now I want to go back. Young Rebecca. Yeah. So where were you born and what was your early life like? So I was born pretty close to where I'm living now. It's Berkshire, uh, Maidenhead. Very funny town. I have no like connection with it I never you know some people crave to go back to their home for me not at all wherever I lay my hat is my home Um, I had a really good upbringing my parents they stayed together all my child my dad was a really hard worker and I worked for my dad from a very young age I loved working I was a real grafter I loved getting money I had a job since I was like probably 13 I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And then I worked in hairdressers. And So with the job when you were 13, if I remember correctly, you worked at a printing press? So that was a bit later on. Oh, so okay. I did all sorts of things for then. So I worked for my dad. My dad was in print, so I worked for him in the holidays. And then I worked at a... Like a dry cleaners in the summer, and then I worked at one of this famous restaurant in. At the time, it was the best restaurant in the world, which is called the Fat Duck, and uh, I loved working in there. I just loved different experiences of working different places, meeting different people. I worked in bars, etc. And I, I, I remember working at bar. I remember I always felt then that I knew I'd always work for myself. I remember this couple coming in; and they were really drunk, and I was very young, behind the bar, eighteen or something, and they were really, really to me and um I just took their drinks away and I said get out and my manager was fuming I was I had no regrets I was like that I'm not having anyone talk to me like that they had to get out she said you are not the manager I went well I feel like I am (laughs) 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 honestly I remember looking at people thinking one day I will be the one sat there with the newspaper and not worried about work or anything you never know what's around the corner never say never which is what my mum and dad always taught me my dad always said on the way up you might have to come meet all those people on the way down Mm. so um I always like to keep it real so if I recall your entry point into sex work began when you saw correct me if I'm wrong you saw an ad in the paper mm-hmm. for a guy that was looking to do nude portraits? Oh, yeah. That was uh, when I was younger. I oh, just okay. left school. So um, I was very attracted to money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was proud of my body very young. And my friend Vicky, she was like, I, I go around this guy's house and he draws me. I pretend to my mum and dad that I don't take my clothes off, but I get butt naked and he draws me. I went, and how's that going? And she's like, brilliant. I get 15 quid an hour. I was like, I could really do with some of that. I went, introduce me. And she said, all right, then. Anyway, I ended up stealing her gig. I didn't mean to. He just preferred me to her. And I felt really bad about that. But, you know, anyway, <laughs> he was so nice. And like, we'd have, he'd start drawing me and then we'd have a little biscuit. He wasn't a pervert or anything. You know, he was, um, he was just so lovely. All we wanted to do was draw me. He wasn't even that good. But he was paying me 15 quid. And we'd stop halfway through, have a biscuit and a cup of tea. And then we go back to drawing and, and that was it. And I think he must have run out of 15 quids or something because I didn't hear from him after a while. I was thinking, can't, I, can't you just draw me a bit more often? Because <laughs> back then, 15 quid an hour was a lot. Right. <laughs> wow. <sighs> and then so at around 18, 19, did you go to school or what happened sort of around that time? So I was working in hairdressers and I had a really bad boyfriend. I made some bad decisions and I've kind of done a little bit of personal like why did I make those decisions and I do feel it's because you know my dad he wasn't very good with his words like he was very negative and um, I do feel that that affected my decision making with some of the men I chose I think it took a while for me to realize my worth and that made me choose the right guys so I picked quite a bad choice can I ask you a question about that sorry to interject that's okay but you mentioned sort of this formative moment at that bar when you realized that you're not going to take shit from anyone. Yeah. And then you just said that it took you a little while to realize that you didn't need to take shit from this guy in a relationship. Yeah. Where was that distance between the, the person that was at the bar and that person in a romantic relationship? That's 
a very good point because I wouldn't take shit from this couple, but I was in some pretty bad relationships from a young age and I don't know why I put up with that. But I had, when it came to love, I think at a young age, I think I had quite low self-esteem in that area and I met my son's father and um, we were together not very long. But I look back and I really couldn't have picked a worse person to be with. He was violent. You know, I wrecked my GCSEs and things like that. Um, he was very small minded. He was homophobic. And one day I just went, I'm not fucking putting up with this. And I had nowhere to go. And uh, I ended up calling my sister and going back to mum and dad's, not spoke to them after having a baby and said, can I come home? So I went home and that didn't turn out very well. Again, I wasn't going to be told what to do. And I decided to start again with my son. And I learned how to do graphic design. (laughs) Somebody taught me. So I got a job. I just hustled my way through life, basically. I've just... Literally. Literally. I've just... I've always said to myself, don't ever worry about me no matter what. I'm going to be okay. And I really think, believe that no matter what, I'll be able to find my way out of a situation. (laughs) It's so funny even like hearing you talk about this because I'm like, I have spent so many years watching self-help gurus on mm. daytime talk shows come out and sort of trot out these, you know, how to better your life or how to do this or how to do that. And just even in this short time we spent together, I already feel like you've armed me with ammunition to like <laughs> seize the day. Oh, good. Um, and, I, and I imagine people listening to this as well will feel similarly. And I sort of think that that fortitude, that inherent fortitude that you have, that idea that, I'm going to be okay always. Yeah. Even when the situation might have felt a little like it, it wasn't in the, in the immediate. Okay. Yeah. You always had that light at the end of the tunnel and it wasn't flickering. It was always so bright. Yeah. It sounds like. Yeah. So you have your son, you leave yeah. your parents home. Yeah. And where do you go next? So I managed to get a job in a printing company, etc. cetera. Um, my parents, they said to me, look, you can't look after a kid. And this is one of my only regrets in life. They said, we'll have your son. We'll have Cameron. Because I was so young. I was like 17. And so while I was doing this job, they had Cameron. And that was a very difficult time. And I was like, I am going to do my best to get him back. I worked in a printing company for a couple of years. And I lied about having a child because I thought people would judge me. I managed to learn the ropes and I did well. And back then I started off on 14,000 a year, which I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then I was quickly like, right, that's not enough. I need to hit, I need 18,000 or 20,000. I need to get up to 25,000. And so I went to this other company and they offered me the job and I was like learning fast. All I wanted was to get my son and live a normal life. Anyway, that's when nightmare fella number two comes along Mm. so I met him on the internet started internet dating back when it was shameful yeah awful when was this so this was I'm goodness me I am 39 now I was 20 about 22 then so 92 and it's a very different internet then in that there's this nowadays everyone's on the internet yeah everyone's in constant communication yeah but I mean, even for me, I remember back in the day, those early chat rooms, it was, yeah. You were disgusting if you did that. Are you calling me disgusting? I was, no, no, (laughs) not you, you, me. No, I remember everybody like, you're disgusting, Rebecca, not you. I'm just teasing you. (laughs) So so my sister was mortified. Like everybody was like, what are you doing online dating? And I was, I was just like, I wanted attention as well. So the 
the internet was like we had sign up as well you know <laughs> you know the big yeah, yeah, the dial up. <laughs> the yeah. dial up. Oh and so I was being catfished all the time like I just wanted to go online and meet hot guys so um there was this one called face party oh my goodness face party we just it was should have been called fuck party but I remember meeting this guy I know it was I remember this guy turning up and his picture looked really hot and he turned up and I was just like fuck how am I gonna get out of this anyway I was just like I'm just gonna do him anyway <laughs> so wait so you weren't attracted to him no but I was but I had this thing that I just wanted to have sexual experiences mm-hmm. oh, and so I was kind of like Mm, anyway, I remember him going, do I need to give you any money? And I was just like, what the fuck? So I remember all those like crazy mistakes that I made basically when I was younger, but I just felt this need that I wasn't sexually educated enough. And I really wanted to have as many experiences as I could. And, and when you've had a baby, this was after I'd had Cameron, you feel a bit repressed, like, do I know what I'm doing, etc. And also with when I was pregnant with Cameron when your partner is not particularly attracted to you that's not very nice either so you can you know your body goes through all these changes and you're young and you're not nobody's sexually attracted to you anymore it's pretty tough so all of a sudden I'm hot again I'm going like fucking running a riot but still my um I was looking for guys I was thinking like what is my level where am I batting above my station and where am I where am I what can I get so I'm going online and that's the great thing about the internet is you can just test it out and see who's going to get back to you and and of course I got rejected and that's horrible but you know you get tougher with each rejection and so I remember coming across this guy I was like oh my fucking god he looks like David Beckham on roids and that was pretty hot to me back then anyway I met Mark which is my daughter's dad and we met in Windsor and it was a really good relationship we went out for a little bit and I remember we were going to go away together for in Italy or something like that and I remember looking at his passport and the pictures from him this gorgeous guy just passport was like really different and I mean frighteningly different and I'm thinking there's a story here there is a story because this isn't fucking adding up so there was a few things missing and he told me he was 29 and like there was a lot of gray in his hair anyway he eventually admitted to me he was 39 and so that's a 17 year age gap but it was too late then I was already in love with him so when I told my dad because I was still like talking to my dad my dad absolutely fucking freaked out and called him a pervert and all this that and the other and they were still having Cameron then and I had a flat somewhere and I just really it was still that moment that I longed to have Cameron all to myself anyway fast forward a little bit with Anna's dad now I keep saying her name um <laughs> I know I shouldn't say their names um I moved to Wales with him and I find out that a lot of things he's paranoid schizophrenic which is nothing wrong with that however when you're a trained killer because he was in the SBS it can be very frightening. So another year later, I had a baby with him because we were very in love, but I ended up in a woman's refuge. So when you say, have you lived? Those are experiences that I have lived and I've got through. Um, so that- so at that stage, your son was with your parents. Where was your daughter? So when I you were- took my son with me. Got it. So that's where the problem started. And I ended up in a huge court case of my father making up that my husband had abused my son 
we went through one of the biggest courts in the UK, which is the high courts. It's like the highest court. And he got a ruling they had made up, which is the best ruling you can get. And I mm. knew that, but it was a very tricky time. And that's where I was like, I want to be a barrister. <laughs> I was just like, I want to know how to handle this because we didn't have any money or anything like that. And we were, it was myself and my husband, who is Mark, and that's when all the mental illness came out because I didn't know any of this. It was probably one of the biggest learning experiences of my life. Uh, I think I probably grew up very fast at that young age. Uh, just being in front of a judge, having, you know, your life torn apart like honesty and just your father just being a real shitbag and betraying you yeah that that pretty much I think I had a big old wake-up call around that time and then going through like I'm very close to my ex-husband he's got a mental illness and I support him so much he was a marine so he fought for the country um and he's a great guy but yeah that a lot of truths came out so all the work like all all the things that when you meet somebody in a new relationship there was a lot of secrets that I didn't know yeah and that kind of came out so you're in the women's refuge yeah you have both of the kids at this point I had Cameron but his dad kept him and for a technicality of us being in Wales he ended up having him they managed to he had a really good barrister and that's what law's about it's about who can tell the best story really and uh, they their barrister was amazing and so I didn't have my son for a while I'm getting a bit emotional saying that actually god it's going deep <laughs> sorry no don't apologize I didn't think I was going to be talking about this today do you want to change the subject <laughs> yeah can do yeah yeah yeah, that's yeah. All right. if you prefer yeah so let's take a quick break welcome back so when did sex work come into play I know you said you had done the nude portraiture when you were in your teens. Mm-hmm. So when was your first experience? And you're online at this point, you're talking to men. You have this clear fascination with your own sexuality yeah. and sort of with um, experimenting with yeah. men. When did sex work and the exchange of money for sex come into it? So after all that experience, um, I had Anna. And after all the court case had happened and ended and I didn't have my son, his dad phones me one day and he says, come pick Cameron up. I don't want him anymore. And I'm, I phoned my solicitor. I'm like, this is what's happened. She said, don't go, don't trust him. And I went, I'm going. <laughs> so I went and I ended up having my son and that was that. So I was studying to become a barrister. At still, I, I have to pause you for a second. I just find what you did just now uh, very incredible. What you did is you said you didn't want to talk about something and we moved on. I asked you a question to lead you out of it and you stepped back into it because I saw this moment of, you wanted to thread the needle on the conversation yeah. and you found your strength again. Yeah. And I just think that tells me a lot and tells people listening a lot about, uh, that was a great example of your strength just now. So anyway, thank you thank for Thank you very much. You're, you're welcome. So back into happier times. So um, I feel so happy at this stage. I've got this little flat. I've got my daughter, I've got my son and we don't have much money, but boy are we flipping happy and I'm still studying and it's amazing then because they really help you study Cameron's at school and my daughter she goes to nursery and I'm I'm a single mum but I'm having the time of my life like I've just been through like absolute hell I'm like I've got it I've made it 
Anyway, money was a little bit tight and they're at school during the day and I would go online and webcams and like I was like, there was no cash work at all. And I was like, how can I? And I kept coming back to the same thing, which was escorting. I was like, could I do this a little bit between my studies during the day? And at this point, when you say studies, you were studying for your law degree? Yes, okay. studying for my law degree. And I got it. Work. So my life started really changing and I really felt in control. And I remember when I graduated, I was like, I really want to do this full time. And I met a lovely new partner. I remember after coming out of the... Um, the women's refuge I said to myself I said I am never gonna make another mistake with a man again and I met this wonderful man and he um he was called Sam and we had an amazing time we had a wonderful relationship and he was bisexual and we were so open with each other and we had this wonderful relationship where we were raising the kids and we were having this family life yet we were able to express like in our private time you know we'd and we started escorting together and like we just had the biggest laugh and we had these incredible experiences together like sometimes one of the clients would turn up we'd go and see his client in a hotel room and like they weren't that attractive but we would just find it so funny like like we, we're having this brilliant experience we just had the best time and but we did end because I didn't want any more children but that was one of my best ever relationships through all those kind of like struggles and stuff it just each day just made you stronger and stronger and stronger and um, you make better decisions because I feel that without all of those mistakes and all those struggles I wouldn't be able to be who I am today etc and I feel it I really feel it I feel that back then I was half the person I am now so I was single after him for a very long time because I just couldn't really like connect with anybody uh, intimately but I really enjoyed because I'd kind of been this mum since so young after him I kind of went out and went absolutely fucking crazy um my mum and dad they'd moved to France and um every August the kids would go out there I'd organize for the kids to go out there and every August let me tell you I'd be in Ibiza I would be living my life that I'd missed out being a young mum and I feel so like I've I've made up for old time in those times like I had so many partners I did so much sex work like it was just liberating it was absolutely liberating um I had boyfriends but none that I can remember but um finally 10 years later I do meet somebody that I connect with and I love I find that love again and it's it's such a nice experience when you're finally ready to give yourself again so are you currently with this person yes and this, but this person is not in the spotlight at all no not in the spotlight at all so sex workers will probably definitely be able to relate to what I'm saying sometimes they'll meet someone they really like them and they might feel a bit shamed of telling them that they do sex work because some people don't react how you'd like them to react so if you really like a guy or a girl and they say what do you do for a living you say I'm an escort or I do porn and they're like oh I can never go out with somebody that does that and so that can put a bit of a dampener on things and I remember my best friend, um, my other best friend, Emily, she said to me, Rebecca, you're so amazing that you can have it all. You can do exactly what you're doing right now and you can have it all. And 
you know, sometimes you doubt yourselves, etc. And she was right because you can have it all. You can still do the job that you want to do. There's someone out there that's going to take you for exactly who you are, and you do not have to change for anyone. Sometimes in relationships, yes, you do have to make sacrifices, yeah, yeah. but you don't have to completely change who you are just to be be in a relationship or something like that. I want to be in this relationship. How conscious are you of keeping him out of the public spotlight? Very, actually, yeah. He is so proud of me, but I am the one that says, look, I want to protect you. Yeah. And I want to protect your business because it's starting up. Some people that are getting involved in his business possibly would be like, whoa, okay, what's going on there then? I just keep him, keep him away. So Rebecca, when I told some of my friends that you were going to be on the podcast, I had a bunch of people saying, well, can I ask her a question? Can I ask her a question? And so I was like, yeah, why not? So we have a fan of yours who I think you might know, actually. Uh, This is my dear friend and a huge fan of yours, the lovely Pearl. Hello, Miss Rebecca Moore, fucking cock destroyer. This is such an honor and a privilege to be granted any question to you. This is Pearl from RuPaul's Drag Race Season 7, your first or second (laughs) runner-up. Anyway, so my question to you is, what was it like coming out to your family as a cock destroyer? Great question, Pearl. So, as you can imagine, I was not your typical teenager when I was younger. I didn't have it hard growing up, but it was certainly not a bed of roses. Me and my sister bickered a lot. I was very outrageous, quite wild, just wanted to do what I wanted to do, felt restricted, like most kids probably do, but I really rebelled. I couldn't help myself. Anyway, when I hit 16, it was perfect. I wanted to leave home. I needed to go into the big world, find who I was. And so I did find my place in life. And I came back and my family, they knew that I wasn't going to change. And I was who I was. And that was that. They have embraced who I am. And now there's a title for it. I am a cock destroyer. And now they fully support me. They love me unconditionally. And I love them too. So you have the first, you have the viral video that in October 2018. And then from there, very smartly, you sort of capitalize on your presence as a memeable viral person and start making other content i mean i think my favorite video would have to be the one where you're getting railed from behind and it's meant to be sunday a day of rest but not for me i know the one very well it's meant to be sunday a day of rest but not for me ah. uh yeah i mean you lived it uh, <laughs> but and so from there basically i think one of the things that makes you particularly special is you're not a one-hit wonder. You and Sophie have continued to produce this content. You guys basically have been out there vocal allies for this community. I'm curious, you know, you have sex with women on camera and in escorting. Um, Do you identify as an ally to the community or do you see yourself somewhere within the community? Not that, well, actually, let me rephrase. Allies are a part of the community. Yeah. 
yeah so definitely an ally and part of the community as well but I don't ever say to people openly like I'm bisexual obviously I am bisexual Um, (laughs) I just say to people I'm sexual like I've had sex with so many different people I'm very sexual that's my umbrella I'm really interested in sort of the energy exchange that happens when you have people coming up to you and saying things like, you've inspired me or you've changed my life or Mm -hmm. you've given me the confidence to do X, Y, Z. It's an energy exchange where someone is taking a lot of energy that they have and placing it onto you. And it can be incredible. I think it can also be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Sort of when you have this rabid fandom, you no longer just have this fan that might love you from MILF 17. You also have this fan who's coming to you now and saying, you know, because of you, I was able to come out to my parents or, or, or do X, Y, Z thing. So can you first talk about what the more emotional messages that you receive are and then sort of the mental space that that occupies for you? We started, we did a couple of, a few clubs um, back in the UK initially and that's because we really wanted to get out there and meet our fans. Uh, first one we did um, was was fun and people were like, you're amazing, you're a laugh, blah, blah, blah. And then as we did more and we started meeting more people, people were being a bit more emotional and saying, you've really changed my life. You've made me be more accepting of myself. Um, I don't want to divulge too much, but people say, you know, you've saved my life. And I know when some, I've met enough people when someone's really being genuine and they said, you, you've made me laugh my way to being okay again. And that, means a lot it doesn't weigh me down at all it brings me up and it fills me with like absolute joy and it's like an emotional like wow like this gives me a huge purpose if we're giving like this positivity back to somebody if we're changing like if we mean that to that person then it's a reason to go on and and um yeah to be a stronger ally yeah and and i can't help but you know one of this podcast's main, you know, tent poles is this idea of the internet and internet culture. And you are so much a part of internet culture. Um, it's so much a part of you. I mean, even going back to when you're talking about these early experiences in your early 20s of going on the internet yeah. and just being horny and yeah. wanting to find mm, guys, guys to give you attention. Um But I think uniquely, you know, you came up at a time before the omnipresence of the internet. How much has sex work changed from when you first started doing it to now and how much of that is a byproduct of the internet so sex work i guess sex work's always been the same and it's always been there as a as an actual job but the i think um you used to get an advert in a newspaper and it was a little bit harder to earn the kind of money that you can now so you'd have your websites you started having things like adult work there are other websites that you can sort of go on to and you can advertise yourself I think it's probably safer now as well for people to be able to advertise stuff etc so from back then from me starting my adult career and escorting etc I've been able to kind of like run my own business and I think people could, there's all the tools out there now. It's it's a great time right now. I mean, it's still hard. You still, like everybody's got thousands of followers and things like that. You, it's not like, oh, I'm going to wake up one morning and it's still, you've got to work here. It's not easy and sometimes it's not particularly glamorous, but you can have such a great life. Um, now there's so much out there to promote yourself. You've got Instagram, you've got 
like you've got this platform you've just got to work in you've got to learn how to like hashtag and make friends and network it's still the same old rules get out there and network like I used to get on the sites and link up with the girls and that's the thing I that's what sex work bought me the biggest gift ever which was my group of friends when I was at school I knew I was different I was a little bit extra a little bit sexual like I remember thinking what would my friend think if I like tried it on with her you know and I had a group of friends from school that were like they would fucking freak right out when I got into sex work and I got on these websites I literally was able to choose my friends like we'd meet up and 10 years later you know I've got my my gang you know we all are the same we're all outrageous we all love expressing ourselves the stuff we talk about I just think this is my fucking home like I love like my sister was completely different to me and she would have kittens if she heard half the fucking conversations we had but I love it like there are no boundaries like we're all together and it's it's wonderful to have that group of girls like we we shag together we we do everything we're so close and it's just wonderful I love it yeah couple last questions you have this unique access to men you besides sleeping (laughs) with a ton of men you've just as you mentioned earlier with this man with the portraiture when you just had the tea and biscuits you've had all of this these sexual encounters but also these just human encounters with so many men yeah and I think there's a perception from a lot of people myself included at times that men are trash men are disgusting men are just the all the problems in the world are are brought about and perpetuated by <laughs> men and I, I think maybe there's something in that then <laughs> yeah, right. yeah that's like my woman let's start blaming them <laughs> it's not us women <laughs> but um I think you you love men and, I love them. and I'm just curious for people out there that sort of have that <laughs> that mindset that like the world would be a better place without men um what have you learned about the goodness of men men just completely fascinate me um there, there are all kinds of men. Um, what I love the most about men <laughs> is how fucking horny they are. Like their penis will be like, "You're going to do this today." You'll get like they'll go on the internet and be like, oh, "I've got this really busy meeting, but I've definitely got time to go and see a hooker," you know. And I'm like, I love that. Like, I really do. I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for men and their dicks. Like. I I have had the best experiences from guys. Um, yeah, there are shit bags out there, but there are shit women as well. Mm. What about the specificities of their desires? You know, you talked a lot about the jewelry and the nails. Um, yeah. What have you learned about that? What I've learned is how to be good in a relationship, how to keep a relationship alive. I've taken all of those things and um, realized that sometimes women want to reject the fact that you've got to entertain a guy almost. But you can use that to your advantage if you want something you know you know how to get it like I I quite enjoy and guys enjoy being manipulated sometimes Mm. so for instance like I love the power that I can have even my my partner like if I get dressed up and stuff he is putty in my hands absolute putty in my hands and I love I love I love it it never I never get tired of it I never get tired of how guys will look at something they like and just be like, oh, I love this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I love that. 
The last thing I, I want to end with is if you were to explain to someone what it means to be a cock destroyer. Yeah. Not in the literal. I yeah. Think we, we understand <laughs> we that. We know that one. But I think it's come to mean something much bigger than yeah. originally intended. Yeah. How do you sort of codify that meaning? For me personally, it's to never be ashamed of who you are. I think people kind of like, they feel that they can't be who, who true to themselves or who they are around certain people, whether it's your family, etc. And I just think you've just got to live your life that makes you happy. You're going to know what makes you happy. Sometimes, you know, you've got to really sort of spend time with yourself and discover what makes you happy. And I live a very strict life that if something doesn't make me happy or brings me negativity, I get rid of it. You just get rid of it. It is a state of mind. That is it. I love it. Yeah. I want to thank you so much. I want to thank you for being so open and so honest and so able to express all of yourself. I hope you feel like you were. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Defo. <laughs> and I just want to say, first of all, please come back to New York more regularly. I, if that energy in the club indicated anything to me, it's like, my God, you could do a whole fucking U.S. tour. <laughs> it, was, but, it was so good. Yeah, so good. Um, I want to congratulate you on all of your successes. Thank from, you so much. I mean, everything from your children to the Daddy Couture to yeah. all of yeah. all of the success that you've Thank had you. but i i think my biggest takeaway is you are such a, an example of uh being a good person in this world and what expending that energy brings forth. And I think mm -hmm. one through line through everything that you've said today, whether it be your childhood or coming up in your 20s and these difficult experiences you endured was that idea that you were going to stay a good person. Absolutely. And that is key. Yeah. And I think that you are a reminder that good people succeed. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much yeah. for having me. My this has been a nice little chat. It has. It really has. <laughs> Sometimes these podcasts can be a bit like therapy sessions. Yeah, they really can, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. I'm Evan Ross Katz. Shut Up Evan is produced and edited by Alden Peters. This podcast is made possible in part by our supporters on Patreon. So we tip our hat to you all. Go to patreon.com backslash shutupevan to get access to bonus content, including extended interviews and bonus clips. And again, from the bottom of my heart, Thank you so much for giving a shit about anything that I have to say. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 